Well, Chip mentioned the James Webb Telescope. I actually want to show you a picture from that that was just released this past week. So this is for the year anniversary of the James Webb Telescope being, being in service. And this is um, an area where they describe it as like a star formation area that's 390 light years away. I think that's right. 390 light years away. You know how long a light year is? Six trillion miles. So I don't, I don't know if you can, like I didn't remember that. I had, to, I had to look that up. So it didn't come off, you know, as long as the internet is correct, which is correct in all things, right, I'm, I'm sure. That, that, is just, that is just a mind-boggling thing. That as much activity as we participate here, the flurry of, you know, the existence of our lives, that kind of thing. 390 light years away, there's, there's this. And I love these kind of pictures. I think they're amazing. I, I th- the, just the majesty of God's creation, how incredible it is. Um, I also think uh, it's, it's kind of crazy that we don't get to see this kind of stuff just because of all the other things that we get engaged and involved in in our lives. And I'm not saying any of, of that is, is wrong at, at all. I'm just saying it, it's a shame that sometimes we just get so caught up in life that we don't take time to look up. Now, even if we did, depending on where you live, you might not see much because of light pollution, that kind of thing. But I, I will say living out in the country, we get to see a little bit more stars than most people do. And we love that about that, especially when it's cold and clear at night. It, it can be incredible. We've got a telescope. We'll look through and, and see some stuff every once in a while. We don't break it out all the time, but uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. I don't know if you know what the sky actually looks like because of light pollution. So if there was no light pollution or the least amount that you could find in the United States, this is what your night sky would look like. So this is in Death Valley in California. So the least amount of light pollution that you can find, like that's what we'd be looking at. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we get rid of electricity. I'm, I'm good with electricity. I like plumbing, running water and stuff, but there's something we miss because of the things that we deal with and focus with here on the world. Like that, that would be what we would look at every night if we were, you know, pre, pre-electricity. And I'm not a proponent for keeping one's head in the clouds, but there's something we, we miss out on for not having regular visual reminders of perspective. Like you get, kind of get an idea as to why there was so much astronomy in ancient cultures, because they were looking at skies like, like that. Of course, it gave them a sense of awe and wonder and majesty. So re- being reminded of our place in the world and how stunning the environment and creation we find ourselves in really is, is just, I, I, it just takes a moment for us to I, I, I comprehend how awesome the surrounding a context that we live in really is. For example, if I didn't spend quality time outside, I wouldn't be able to share with you how territorial paper wasps are <laughs> and, and how painful their stings are, <clears throat> especially when you get multiple of them. And I wouldn't be able to share with you as a result of that that my Seth got to see me the fa- run the fastest I've ever run in my entire life. So he was... <laughs> He was really, really impressed. The more we are participate and observe the systems and environment we live within, the more we think about and engage with the cause of the world around us. There's both a majesty and a mystery to our existence and to our engagement with life as we know it. So we're going to look at that in Psalm chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, or if you've got it on your phone and your app, I would love for you to read, uh, to turn to Psalm chapter 8. I'd love for you to read it too. It's just a few, uh, few verses And we're going to stop this morning and look up and wonder at what God has done and how he invites us into what he continues to do. 
Psalm chapter 8 is, is quoted, the Psalms in general are quoted all kinds of times in the New Testament, but Psalm chapter 8 is quoted multiple times in the New Testament. It is, it's considered like a hymn of praise. Whereas David is writing this, he's just getting caught up in the majesty and mystery of God's creation and our place in it. And so he is praising God through this psalm as you, as you read through those words. But before we read it, I just want to talk a little bit about praise because that's a word that we talk about a whole lot in church, at least it's in a lot of songs, or maybe we hear, hear the word uh, shared, like maybe you, you're watching a popular TV preacher who finishes a good thought, and they say, give praise and glory in the house of the Lord, or something like that. What, what does that mean? Clap for me. That... No? Okay. All right. Uh, so if I say, give praise in the... No. All right. We're, we're not going to do that. Um, some of you are really uncomfortable with that. That's all right. We'll keep moving. Or, or what it really means is, uh, let's praise the Lord today. It means send me the money. You know, that, like, like we can mean all kinds of different things when we say praise. But when, when we're talking about praise and scripture, biblical praise, we're talking about that overwhelming, taken over sense of the wonder and awesomeness of God's glory. And we just can't help but express something in relation to that. C.S. Lewis talks about this, and he describes how we praise things all the time. We're taken, taken over spontaneously by things that, uh, that we're just in awe of. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's nature. Sometimes it's, you know, just random things that happen in our life. It could be, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of horses, you know, or some, something. Not me personally. I'm just saying somebody could be, and that would be great. Uh, and they could be really excited about it. I'd be like, okay, it's a horse. We've got one, you know, our neighbors have one. That's fine. We see one all the time. Or, or get really excited about college. Or uh, sport teams like the Spurs, by the way, who just drafted like one of the most uh, important draftees in the history of the game, possibly, unless he gets injured and he's a bust. Who, who knows? But I'm going to praise Wimby, you know. I'm just kidding. We're going to praise God. So, is that cool? All right. So let's read Psalm chapter 8. This is from David. And this is what he says. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I considered your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. A couple different times, I think, in David's life that he could have been inspired to write the psalm. One of them would have been when he was a shepherd, and he's out with flocks in the middle of the night. And you think back to the the night sky that he would be seeing versus the one that we're typically familiar with. And just how astonishing and astounding and how bright as day, nearly, not, not quite, it would be with, with the moon and the stars just fully in their glory shining down the earth. And he's looking up and he's just saying, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I mean, this is, this is amazing. This is awe-inspiring. Maybe it was when he was a king in Israel, and when he was on the rooftop, he was looking, he was looking up, because he definitely shouldn't have been looking down, because that got him in trouble and distracted, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Um, but he looked up from that vantage point and just stopped and realized, you know, the, his place in the world, 
and, and the contrast and the context in which he lived, the creation around him, the, the glory of God in the heavens. And it left him in awe of God's majesty. And, and that's what one of the things that creation does and how astonishing and how astounding, I used astonishing last week, how astounding and how awesome that it, that it really is. The glory of God's creation gives us a sense of God's majesty. If we ignore it, if we don't think about it, then yeah, we'll, we'll miss that. But the bigness and the vastness, 390 you know, tr- you know, light years away, however the math works out, th- 6 trillion miles per light year, I mean, that's, that's, that's how expansive God's glory really is. And we think about, I, I don't know, we think about the majesty of God. Maybe you think, I don't, maybe, think uh, maybe you're an Anglophile, you know, you think of the royal family, you think, oh, your majesty, that kind of thing. Congratulations, you won the genetic lottery. Um, I think that, oh, maybe people really feel strongly about uh, the royal family. Sorry about that. I think the history is fascinating, but it's also kind of weird uh, that that's how, you know, we treat other people who just happen to be born to the right family. Uh, but this expression that David is giving when he says, Lord, our Lord, we miss a little bit something there in the English. In the Hebrew, David uses God's name that the Hebrew people wouldn't even pronounce, Yahweh. Um, representing who, he, you know, his, his name, like my name is, is Rob, his personal covenant name that he shares with them. And then the second Lord is represented by Adonai. D- David is calling him his master. He's like, hey, you, you are God and you are, our, you, know, you are my master. He's caught up in this moment in the majesty of God, that God is awesome. And that should be enough of a word. We overuse that word way too much, that he's, that he's awesome that the grandeur of God is, is just overwhelming. That he's big, that he's mighty, he's strong. This is not fear, but it's adoration and amazement. That God is majestic and represented by the vastness of his creation. I, I love that we are in Virginia. I love that we have the beach in one direction. We have the best state. Um, we have the beach in one, yes, unapologetically, Virginia's the best state. We've got the beach in one direction, we've got the mountains in the other, but I'll never forget the first time that I saw mountain mountains. Um, Blue Ridge Mountains are beautiful, don't, don't get me wrong, but they're kind of more like foothills. Uh, if you've ever been further out west, my dad took me out to Denver, Colorado one time, and I'll never forget the first time I saw the Rockies. So I, I remember like walking out of the airport and kind of looking here, knowing that there were mountains, to kind of look at the peak here, and then I had to do, like, physically lift my head up and crane my neck to be able to see the top. I'd never seen anything like that. So I now, you know, Blue Ridge Mountains are more like the Blue Ridge foothills to me, and I love, I've got family up there, you know, I love that area, but I will never forget driving up into the snow line, and it was July, and it was snowing on the top of this mountain. I, I mean, just incredible stuff. We'll never, it, it, mind-blowing. Um, I, I don't, you know, no, no phone cameras or anything back then, so I don't have a picture to show you. But last year, I took a different type of trip with my dad, and we found ourselves in Ireland at the Cliffs of Moher. And this is a picture that, uh, that I took. And I, listen, I get this does not even come close to expressing to you what it was like to be here. I mean, these are 700-foot tall cl- cliffs. The people who are walking on the other side are just pixels that you can't even pick up. I mean, it's the feeling of that. I will never forget the feeling of being there. Some of you I know are thinking, dude, chill out. It's a cliff. <laughs> like, I mean, this, these things happen. There's a guy from Ireland that was there that I met, and he's like, I'll never understand why people are excited about cliffs. Like, they're, they're just things that exist. And I know sometimes we're like, calm down, man. It's just mountains. 
sometimes we lose the sense of wonder we ought to have just because we get familiar with the setting that we're in. We, we live in an astonishing place. I mean, some of the things about like, like Virginia, just the amount of trees that are native to this place, I mean, the environment we live in. There's so many people come over here, they're driving down the interstate, and they're like, I've never seen so many trees. Like, what's up with that? You know, other places you look, I mean, it's just, there's nothing. And it's just incredible. It's amazing to look into the sky and see the moon and the stars. But most of the time, we probably just don't even find ourselves looking up. We've got too many other things going on. Or there's other things polluting our ability to see the sky. The truth is we're surrounded by beauty. The setting in which life even exists, it doesn't have to be this way. I mean, everything could be in black and white or, you know, one color or, I mean, just any kind of, you know, maybe it was just, maybe all of us lived in the same climate, like all the time, and there's no differences. Can you imagine just living where it was just humid all the time? And, and it was somewhere like, Florida, yay, you know? I mean, God didn't have to be creative at all in those areas. You just, just think about that. I mean, it could just be all just run-of-the-mill, simple, nothing ho-hum. And, and I don't know, there's something we miss when we don't recognize how incredible it is that he shares all of this with us. The scripture talks about this all over the place. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. In Psalm 89, verse 5. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. There's so much wonder and majesty all around us. You know who don't lose their sense of wonder? Kids. Unless they've, you know, faced an undue amount of, of tragedy in their life. But somehow, some way, in their resiliency, kids still manage to hold on to just an exceptional sense of wonder. I think that's why David calls out children in the psalm. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, he says, Hey, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Jesus says, unless you have faith like a little child, like you're not, you're not going to get what's happening here. You're not going to be participating in the kingdom of God because there's this sense in which uh, kids have this incredible resiliency and sense of wonder despite what is happening around them in life. Even children can and will praise Jesus when he comes in on Palm Sunday in Matthew chapter 21. This is one of the places that Psalm chapter 8 is quoted in the New Testament. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him because they're saying Hosanna to the son of David. They're celebrating Jesus as the Messiah. And yes, replied Jesus, have you never read from the lips of children and infants you Lord have called forth your praise? Even the weakest among us are going to honor God's glory and recognize the strength and power and majesty that comes from that. The way that, the way that um, just from a childlike faith, we trust those who care for us as, as children. We just assume, hey, I'll get fed, I'll get housed, I'll be loved in some, some way. Well, this is representative of how God promises to take care of us, and his majesty is representative of the proof that he has ability to do that thing for us. But if, if we're ignoring it, we'll miss that message. There's a funny thing that happens when we're able to be fully present in the majesty of who God is and what he's done. We tend to have moments of clarity that help us to see ourselves in the context of creation. In Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 4, David says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? There's a couple different ways to look at this. One is 
kind of the famous Carl Sagan version of, of looking at this. You remember Carl Sagan and him requesting NASA with Voyager 1 to take a picture as Voyager 1 was getting, shut down, getting ready to shut down his cameras, kind of looking back at the Earth from a distance. Well, this is the picture. This is the whole pale blue dot thing. Um, I circled, I, I doubt you can see it, but there's the Earth there in the ray of, a, a ray of the sun, uh, just in the middle of that, that red circle as Voyager 1 heads, heads out just a pixel in the picture. Sagan then wrote a book in which he talks about the philosophical and scientific perspective of being such a small part of a greater universe, suggesting that perhaps we aren't nearly as important as we think we are. I don't know if you've ever had moments where you feel that way. I, I do all the time. You know, you feel like you don't have as much significance as somebody else. You know, you compare yourself to someone or you feel like you should have more of an impact. Um, maybe you found yourself, you know, standing in front of the Rockies, or maybe you were at the ocean or the expanse of the sky and just thought, man, we're just, we're just ants running around with breadcrumbs. Or maybe you're around great people who've accomplished great things and you feel insignificant. Or maybe, um, maybe it's your spouse. Every time you're around them, you just feel, I'm not worthy, you know, or they're not worthy, you know, that, that kind of thing. You know, David has that moment as he's looking up in the night sky. He says, what? Why do you even care about us? You've got all of this. Why, why do you even care about us? And this is the very mystery of God's majesty, the mystery of it all. In spite of the moon, the stars, the majesty of God and the rest of creation, God is still mindful of us and he still cares for us. On the one hand, we aren't nearly as important as we might think we are in the scale of the universe. And so we can take a load off, we can take a chill pill. But on the other, God makes us invaluable to him. It is that we are so unique in the vastness of the universe that should cause us to consider the significance of the fact that we do exist versus that we don't. The mystery of our place in God's majesty gives us a sense of God's meaning. Sagan got it wrong. He, he got the wrong message. It's like, no, it, it's the fact that we are so unique in the great expanse of God's majesty in his creation that should cause us to wonder at the significance and meaning and purpose that God has for each and every one of us. It's a humbling thought that the Lord of heaven and earth, the maker and sustainer of all things, has given us a place of significance in all that he has done. Last week, we looked at Psalm chapter 139 and talked about how intimately God knows each and every one of us individually, that he's thinking about and caring about us. And as David looks up, he says he's, he's just awe-inspired at the fact that, that God has meaning and purpose for us in, this, in the context of all these things. You've crowned people with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under the feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. You know, God gives us purpose and he gives us meaning. And it's within the context of his majesty that we understand the mystery of that purpose and meaning. That he calls us to be with him to be partners with him in his creation, in watching over it, in caring for it. Not to simply just kind of hang back and let life happen to us and be carried along, but to be participants in it and what God continues to do. That he involves us in the majesty of his creation, in the involvement of everybody's lives and those around us. And he calls us to partner with him in that. That's, that's an awe-inspiring thing. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes people are great, sometimes people aren't, aren't that great. 
But when we compare ourselves to the majesty of God, we are nothing. And yet he chooses to make us something. Yeah, that's, that's the whole message of the gospel, is why God came and lived as a man. Why Jesus dies and raises again, so that we can be more than the sum of what we do on our own. That, that we are everything that God does in and through us. David begins and ends this psalm with the same thing. He says, Lord, our Lord, God, our master, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And how majestic is his name far beyond. And how majestic is the representation of all that he is and all that he desires for us. And so I, I just want to encourage you to do something a little bit different this week. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you have regular times when you do this. If you do, that's amazing. Keep it up. That's incredible. But just go, go look up sometime. Take some time, intentional time this week, and go look up. Please do not go stare at the sun. Um, that's all I'll say. Uh, go, go, go find a mountain. Go to the beach. Go somewhere. I, you know, late at night on a cool, clear evening, which you might have to wait a little bit for that, but on a humid, clear evening, um, just, just look up. Drive a little bit further out if you need to to get away from the light pollution. Spend some time in silence at the majesty of God's creation and wonder at the mystery of how we are created to be partners with God in the goodness of creation. That, that to be participants in the kingdom of God with, with Jesus, like he calls us to, uh, to be engaged in those things with him, to be vital parts in how we communicate and share the majesty of God uh, to others as we praise the one who is praiseworthy. So I, I just want to, I want to ask you to take intentional time. I don't know when the last time you were just in awe and wonder of, of creation, of God's majesty and the, sky, and the moon and the stars. Um, but I, I would love for you to create intentional time for this. When we do, we get a greater sense of what God is calling us to do and who he's called us to be. When we take intentional time to consider all that he's done, all that he has continued to do, and the fact that he invites us into it, it gives us a greater sense of, of, of wonder in who he is. Um, today, you know, one of the responses that we have in that, we, we've got the baptistry set up because we have a baptism uh, that's happening um, as, uh, just right at the end of, of service. And uh, there's, there's a lot to be said. As I've talked to, with Morgan, she just said, hey, this is something that I've been, I've been working through and considering. Um, and, and I've been with God through, through this decision. And there's a, there are life-altering, eternal-changing things that happen when we take a moment in silence before God and consider our place with him and what he is calling us to. And so maybe that's, what, that's, maybe that's a next step for you. Maybe it's, uh, well, the water's warm, by the way. I've got extra towels. So if you've been, if you've been hanging off on that and you want to get baptized this morning, let's do it. We'll make it happen. Maybe that's your step, is that first, like, I'm going to say yes to being all in with Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's choosing a different pace of life. Maybe it's choosing to be more aware of the people around us. Maybe it's just choosing to not be so caught up in the clutter and the light pollution and the distractions of other things to be fully engaged in what God is calling you to do. Whatever that looks like, whatever that next step is, that's the kind of church that we want to be, w ones that are, are wondering at the awesome of God's majesty and participating in the mystery of him wanting to engage with us in this life. Um, ask questions of the person that came with you or that invited you. Um, 
talk to us as a staff. Let us pray with you and talk with you about what it looks like to be engaged with what God is doing, uh, because it is a wonderful thing when we pay attention to it and when we participate in it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the regular reminders that you give us through your creation that you are, uh, you are majestic, and that through that majesty you choose to give us meaning and purpose and a place with you. God, help us to see um, the glory of the creation around us, the, the representation of your glory in the creation around us as a reminder of your continued promises that you will fulfill what you have promised to us through Jesus. And God, help us to uh, share that sense of praise and wonder with, with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.